0: Hello and welcome to the championship edition of the state of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Dantiel. I'd scream, I'd holler, I'd hoot, I'd make some noise. But right now, it's 4.45 a.m. Texas time. I'm in my hotel. I'm getting ready to go for a flight in a few hours. And I'm not trying to get any fines for noise violations, but I did scream up and down as soon as I got out of the Alamo Dome.
1: Oh come on, it's it's the championship. Who cares? Take another fine. People people on campus they're they're punching horses, they're climbing poles, grease poles. The least you can do is scream a little and do do your Villanova Brethren in a favor and and take a fine for the podcast. But man, what what a night! What what a freaking night!
0: Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that after the game when I was walking down around San Antonio, just taking in the sights. It was at this point 2 a.m. in the morning. The bars were closing. It was well after. I saw a bunch of Villanova fans walking back to their hotels. I'm celebrating with them. And Adam Zagoria I, and a few other reporters I recognized from like the New York area, they were all in it, too. <laughs> and uh, I was pretty surprised. And also... I'd never seen them in a setting outside of like a sports arena, so it was pretty cool to see them in a different setting.
1: Kind of like how back in the day, when you would just be walking around, I don't know, town or the mall or whatever, and you see like your like middle school teacher, and you're like, "Oh, I know you," (laughs) and they're out of their habitat, and it's very weird to interact. But hey, that's pretty cool.
0: But you know what else is pretty cool. Winning your second championship in three years, I don't care. Screw the noise violations. Screw the fines. It's a pretty hype time to be a Villanova Wildcat, a Villanova Wildcat fan, and anyone related to the program because now we have 1985, 2016, and now 2018.
1: Yep, and that puts us on par right now with Kansas because I think they have three. But I think we're only one of four, four or five programs to – win three championships since the bracket expanded to at least 64 teams. So remember that whole uh, blue blood discussion we were having last week? Yeah, I, I think we're there now.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. Villanova now has three titles, same as Kansas, one more than Louisville, one more than Florida, one more than Michigan State, one more than NC State, and it's a good time. It's a good time. There are only six more schools with more titles than us, and I think, like you said, We are in that blue blood conversation. And if last night didn't change people's minds, I don't know what will because Jay Wright has done wonders with this program. It's been a great time since conference realignment to win two out of the last three. And as Brian Ewart has said, maybe we've been robbed of a three-peat if Spellman is able to play. But it is just a phenomenal run that Villanova is on right now. I can see your hype. It sounds like you lost your voice a little bit. Screaming, hollering. What did you do for the championship game?
1: Uh, You know, I decided to be old-fashioned. I just decided to watch it at home with my uh, loving family, including my father, who is a 1988 alum. So, yeah, it was was nice to watch uh, the championship with them because, I mean, I didn't get to watch 2016 with them. Obviously, I was on campus with you, and so it was nice to watch this one and share this one with uh, my family.
0: Yeah, that sounds nice. And, you know, sometimes that's all you need. I feel like as good as it is to go out with your people or go out with like Villanova people gets a little costly. So you took the nice old fashioned route. You can have whatever commentary you want and you know, your family won't judge you, which is another thing. You know, I feel like, when when you go out you can't say certain things or you can't have certain comments or you can't sometimes you can't get too rowdy i remember my freshman year i definitely was a bleacher creature glad you enjoyed it i'm glad you clearly had a good time because your voice is it's, it's not gone. bad it's not it's bad gone.
1: it's gone on top of being a little sick it's just gone <laughs> it's so worth it though
0: i remember after 2016 i couldn't talk for a day and a half like i woke up the next day and i was like oh <sighs> i didn't realize it was that rowdy
1: yeah, yeah, no, but that and that was worth every penny too. You know, up all night for that one, and man, I can only imagine what was going on at Lancaster this time around. It actually looked more, more crazy, more lit, as the kids say, than it was, uh, than it was in 2016.
0: Yeah, I saw a few social media posts, and Lancaster looked pretty awesome. Campus looked pretty awesome. It brought me back. I had a few flashbacks, a little deja vu looking at it. But one thing that I would love to know how they pulled it off, but villanova had the game watch at the Connolly center which when, in 2016 we saw what the pavilion was like i would love to know how they even set that up
1: yeah and they kept showing shots on tv of the Connolly center and i'm like where was it? i i'm guessing it was the, the villanova room but like i couldn't really tell how they set it up either i, I guess it was kind of like selection sunday but then you can't even really you couldn't even really get that many people in there so, yeah, I had no idea how they did that, especially when uh, two of the main bars that were there in 2016 are now gone. It must have been a real uh, real madhouse.
0: I knew a few people who watched the 2016 game at Cadoba. They were probably trendsetters, pioneers for their time, innovators.
1: Margarita Madness, man. Didn't Cadoba open up like the first week, like one of the first weeks of the tournament when we were there, 2016?
0: Yeah, they opened that March. Only went there one time, but it was pretty enjoyable. So this tournament, let's talk about this. Final four game, two big wins for the Cats. On Saturday, they took on Kansas, blew them out, 95 to 79. Then on Monday night, the championship game for all the marbles, Villanova wins 79 to 62 over Michigan. And if there was one thing that was pretty cool about this past weekend, aside from, you know, obviously taking home the trophy, the confetti, all the fanfare, all the celebration, and being back in the Final Four, is that there were two heroes this past weekend. And there were both guys who had to redshirt in 2016, couldn't participate at all in the NCAA tournament. And here they are in their first Final Four, and they made up for all the lost time. Eric Pascal had a game on Saturday against Kansas, and then we saw with Dante The Destroyer, DiVincenzo, the Big Ragu, Dante's Inferno was on full blast against the Michigan Wolverines on Monday night. Two guys who had to sit out, had to watch from the sidelines, and now I'm sure that ring is going to feel a lot sweeter on their finger knowing that they had a big part in this one and that they could actually play in this one too.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, you you can make the argument that it was like, oh, wow. You know, they, they came out like this because they wanted it so bad because of the retro and all the, man, I just, I just think this is just the way they're capable of playing. I mean, Eric Pascal and that Kansas game, my God, how awesome was that for you though? You know, Dobbs Ferry product. You're from Dobbs Ferry. You're in San Antonio. How, how great was that? watch your worlds collide right then and there in San Antonio in the in the middle of all the NCAA in the middle of the NCAA tournament that must have been real cool for you but man what a performance from him against Kansas 24 points he only grabbed three rebounds and I thought he grabbed a lot more than that but man the way he played he was just so dominant he had that huge putback where it got really everyone hyped and, and he just did a great job defensively offensively it was just a perfect perfect game from him against Kansas and then what what can be said about Dante Vincenzo's performance against Michigan the the performance obviously got him the most outstanding player. Put him over the top for the most outstanding player. 31 points coming off the bench. 10 of 15 shooting. 5 of 7 from 3. A few heat check threes in there as well. My God, it was Dante's Inferno. And I feel so bad for ever speaking ill of him. And I will never do it ever again.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you on that one. We were pretty hard on the man all throughout the year. But he came on big when. Everyone else seemed to be struggling. If he does not have that kind of performance, especially in the first half, to pull us out of the doldrums, who knows how that Michigan game could have went because we looked absolutely flustered against that Michigan defense. Could not get good looks from three-point line, could not run the offense smoothly. Everyone seemed to be getting frustrated. We saw Jalen get animated, get angry, whether if it was frustration or if to, for him to get pumped and get motivated to like wake up or take his game to a new level, like Super Saiyan, I don't know. But that Michigan defense, for the first ten minutes or so, when the Wolverines had that 21-14 lead, I was a little worried. But then you saw Dante Divincenzo. He made the big shots when Nova needed it, and he made the shots when Nova was going cold and it looked like they weren't going to get anything. He was an absolute menace, and I'm sure everyone in Michigan. Just hearing his name is like hearing Voldemort's name. He was absolutely dynamic, well-deserved, Final Four, most outstanding player. And I don't know what it is, Chris. There's something about six men in Villanova in championship games. Harold Jensen, Phil Booth, and now Dante DiVincenzo. It's the sixth man that comes to the rescue. In national championship games.
1: Yeah, I didn't even think of going back to eighty five for that whole six man narrative. I was just like, Oh yeah, Phil Booth, twenty points. we all we all know that very well. And then Dante drops thirty. Man, does that mean uh does that mean now next national championship, six man's gotta drop forty? I don't know. But man, that was that was a phenomenal performance. And he really Dante really saved the team spot. They were getting some decent shots in there, but they just weren't hitting. You just knew that after the bat performance against Kansas that they weren't gonna be able to keep that up. But you knew that they they would ha- start hitting some shots eventually. Dante was a creator. He was he had a nice, nice assist to Omari Spellman. I believe it was the first half. It was like end of the first half. So he was facilitating the ball. He was driving real well. got a couple land ones. He wasn't just you know hacking up the threes. He was he was doing everything. He got to the basket a couple times, wasn't able to convert on some of them, but most of them he did. Like he was an absolute great all-around performance. He did a little bit of everything, and I thought a lot of it was being said about Michigan's defense. How about Will defense in that championship game, man? Only 62 points allowed to Michigan. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal defensive effort. Uh, I thought they did a great job locking down pretty much everyone with the exception of Wagner in the first, like, five minutes. But then after that, I, they got in his head. He was so psyched out. It was great. I thought Omari had struggled a little bit early on, but I think he kind of caught on. He was able to stay on the ground, stay with them for the most part. And as a result, Wagner got very frustrated. There was a double technical between those two late in the second half. It was great to really get into his psyche. Great defensive effort, obviously. Three of 23 from three-point line was Michigan. It it was just a good defensive performance. Great defensive performance for Villanova. And they needed it even when the offense wasn't clicking outside of uh, Dante's Inferno.
0: Yeah, definitely. I thought Villanova really adjusted defensively very well. We saw that they were just getting killed on drives, whether it was Xavier Simpson, Charles Matthews, and Muhammad Ali Abdul-Rahman. Muhammad Ali Abdul-Rahman, low-key, had a great game. He had 23 points, made all of his shots inside the arc. And once Villanova started defending the drives a little better, I felt like that threw Michigan out of sync a little bit. Especially with Wagner, he did most of his damage early on. And then towards the later stages of the game, he was just out of it. And we saw when he got that double technical... I was relieved that the refs finally woke up and did something there because I know some people were complaining about Jalen's behavior, but I thought Wagner was just trying to instigate throughout the whole game. I I was watching him a little closely, you know, going into timeouts. He's bumping guys on the shoulder on the way to walk into the bench. He's getting in Phil Booth's face. And then after he hooked Jalen for that offensive foul, needs to be separated, tries to start things with Omari Spellman, gets his fourth foul off the technical. And it's just like, what are you doing? What are, you, what, what are you doing? And I sat there and I was like, oh, well, I know people are going to call this grit and effort and showing a refuse to lose attitude. But I'm just sitting there like, I don't know who you think you are. I don't know why you've been trying to start something since this game tipped off. You're a pretty good player. You played pretty well so far, and now you just picked up your fourth foul, and your team's gonna hurt real, real bad because of that.
1: Yeah, it was a really stupid decision. It just goes back to what I was saying before. They got in, they got in his head. They got really physical with him. A lot of chirping back and forth. Even like after a foul on Villanova, and like Michigan would huddle up for the free th- before going to the free throw line. You'd see Bridges chirping on him a little bit. It was great to you know absolutely lock him down after that killer first five minutes where he had. The nice up and under, getting Spelman to leave his feet and he had, a, he had a deep three. I didn't really understand how good he was. Obviously, we watched the Michigan throughout the tournament. But in that first five minutes, I was like, oh, God, if he keeps this up, it's going to be a long night. But they, uh, they were able to adjust and got in his head. And it was, a, uh, it was great to see him frustrated. And TBS kept showing his mug. Like, and it kind of detracted from the game. <laughs> TBS did this a lot Monday night. They would be just like really showing random shots of like Beeline or Jay Wright or Jalen or the crowd. And they would like miss the game. And I'm just like, dude, it's just, just leave the leave the camera on the game. But a lot a lot of shots were at Wagner. And I think a lot was because he was just so frustrated and so emotional because of it.
0: Yeah, you were telling me about the broadcast how so it was pretty subpar on CBS's part. Looking at the game as a whole, though, I thought Pascal did a great job on Wagner, especially in the second half defensively. Dante DiVincenzo, we know how well he did. 5 for 7 from deep, 5 for 8 inside the arc, 31 points, most outstanding player, very well disturbed. I didn't think that there was any question after that. Mikael Bridges, he had a pretty quiet 19 points, in my opinion. I didn't realize this until, you know, you look at the stats afterwards, because we saw how dominating Dante was. But Mikael Bridges had a quiet 19 points, and that was big. And Jalen Brunson, he only had 9 points for the game. But it just shows, you know, even though he wasn't effective, wasn't really able to get it going, to have Dante DiVincenzo come off the bench and be that spark plug was just huge. It was exactly what Villanova needed. He came in, did his job as a six, as best as a sixth man could, and not only providing energy, but being that lifeline that Villanova so needed because it was not a pretty start in the beginning. With Michigan, we've talked about it before. Jared has said that John Beeline is one of the toughest coaches he ever faced, B-lines had Jay's number. We saw how back in 2014 it was a dogfight. This one looked like it was going to be like that in the beginning. Then Villanova really took off. Big run to close out the first half. Big run to start off the second half. And from there, it was just smooth, smooth sailing. I was sitting very close to Josh Hart. Josh Hart was at the game. He's probably sitting in the second row. And it looked like he was with his brother, and. At one point in the game, Josh Hart stands up, and he's screaming at Dante, trying to get his attention. And he's like, keep eating, keep eating. And then Dante turns around, looks at him, and mouths another one. <laughs> and at that point, I was like, wow, this is really cool.
1: I think he, I think he did like a wink at the camera on TV. I, I, forget, I forget if he did that or not. I think he did. That, that was pretty cool, too. And That's when you knew Dante was just uh, was going to light it up. He, he was a man on a mission for sure. And I mentioned he had a couple heat check threes, and I was all for it. You know, when last game of the year, you, you might as well just just feed the hot hand at this point. And I, I think Jalen mentioned that in the post game press conference. Villanova has so many weapons. Obviously, at some point, you're just going to have to defer to the hot hand, and that's exactly what they did. And to go back to your Bridges point, he was the only other Villanova player and did double digit scoring. That's really weird to look at at the box score. And in the national championship, we only had two. Granted, Dante. Had 30 of them. Bridges hit a couple dagger threes at the end there. He had, like you said, a quiet, quote-unquote quiet 19. But yeah, Spellman had 11 boards. Pascal had eight boards. And like you said, I played some great defense on Wagner. I think Jay took out Spellman to put in Dante. And that really changed the game. Pascal was able to guard Wagner. And then obviously you let Dante DiVincenzo unramp it. But yes, it was great to see some of the alumni back. I know Randy Foy was doing the the team cast stream, the team cast broadcast. Yeah, had Hart there. I know Chris Jenkins was there for the Final Four game and did like a preview show thing. I don't know if he was there for the championship. I'm sure he was. They had Arch in the stands as well. Arch was in the stands. They showed him, of course, when Colin Gillespie was taking a couple of three throws. So yes, it was great to see the band uh, getting back together.
0: I, I kid you not. So after the game, they let the media people onto the court or whatever. So I'm on the court taking pictures and I did a double take. Like I thought Colin Gillespie was Arch. But then I saw Arch, and I was like, wait, 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 wait. And then I realized they were both there. Arch was back. He was on the platform. Three people over from Gillespie. I was not losing my mind. I was like, how did Gillespie move from one place to the other? And I know people have joked about the comparisons, but it literally fooled me. As I was looking through my camera lens, I thought I was tripping for a second.
1: Yeah, that it's it's weird. Now I can see the resemblance. I felt like at first, because I, I don't know, I kind of just picture Ryan differently than what he looks now. I think it's the haircut. I think they got similar haircuts now. And I, I don't think he really had that in 16. And that's just kind of my lasting image of him in 15 and 16. But yeah, they showed him on the broadcast. I was like, oh, my God, that is him. They cloned him. They really they really did clone him.
0: The other thing too is they were both wearing the hats and that threw me off as well. Oh.
1: Oh yeah. That that must have been really tough.
0: Chris Jenkins was there at the championship game. He almost barreled me over running to celebrate. <laughs> that would have been fun. But yeah, he was there. Kyle Lowry was there. Josh Hart was there taking a break from Fortnite. And yeah, Ford was there doing the the team stream. I'm sure there were other alumni there too. I think,
1: I think I saw Kittles uh, during like the celebrate post post game celebration too. I think he was taking some pictures with bridges at some point.
0: Yeah. Kittles was there. He was taking a few pictures with the fans post game, but yeah, totally huge performance. But, but the game before that, we got to talk about that because that was one for the record books, 18, three pointers, the most ever in a final four game, everyone wearing the blue and white was just teeing off on the Jayhawks from deep. The game was virtually decided in the first five minutes. That was probably the best shooting performance I've seen Villanova ever have. Not only that, they also claimed the record for most three-pointers by a team in a season. On a scale from zero to ten, how good was it to see Villanova beat one of the traditional quote-unquote blue bloods?
1: Obviously a ten, and it was great to beat Kansas again because, you know, second time in three years is part of the championship run in 16 now they're part of a championship run in 18 it's it's good to beat kansas i like beating kansas it seems to be villanova's ml recently too you know 18 of 40 from three and the first thing i thought of when villanova was hitting all those shots i was like will jerry quinn have a crystal ball somewhere i mean he was asking us last week if villanova makes 15 threes would they be able to win i was like yeah of course something must have if they don't that something must have obviously gone wrong and they actually did better than 15 threes. They hit 18 of them. And on top of that, like you said, they got the record. And Gillespie hit the, the record-setting shot. And they beat uh, VMI's uh, pre- previous record. So yeah, absolutely great performance all around. All five starters were in double digits. Dante had 15 of his own. There's really no complaints here whatsoever. Spellman had a great game. Uh, obviously, Eric Pascals had his coming-out party, so to speak. You know, We know he's really that good. And uh, yeah, everyone just played phenomenal that game. And I, I really, well, more can be said than, than already, and what we have.
0: It was actually Pascal who hit the record breaking three from VMI's record. He hit that corner three with about 10 minutes to go. That gave Villanova the record. He had a phenomenal game because coming out, party 10 for 11 overall, 4 for 5 from deep. Yeah, as you said earlier, it, it was pretty cool seeing the Blasphemy kid play on the Final Four, the biggest stage, and came from Fordham. Just seeing how far his journey has gone was pretty cool. I tweeted it out when they started opening intros and the first started out with from Dobbs Ferry, New York. I, I had a few chills, and I know a lot of people in that small town on the 914 was totally rooting for him. Uh, it was pretty cool to see Dobbs Ferry become a huge Villanova town, and a lot of people were just riding him. For him and riding for the Cats this whole weekend, for him to just play like that in a Final Four game with all those people watching, it was huge. Just like with Dante DiVincenzo, just lit it up. That was huge for him, too. And you got to think he'll be back next year. That is some pretty good – that's a pretty good game to just sign off this year on and knowing you're going to be the leading man virtually next year. That's got to put a lot of teams on notice.
1: Yeah, he absolutely had a great, great tournament. You know, the Alabama game first half, and then the final four, on top of some other, on top of, some of the other games. I saw a lot of people saying, "Oh, it's not that going to leave. It's not that going to leave." And I'm like, I-, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I highly doubt it. But you never know. Like you can. You might test the draft and then come back. Like you said, Jay, said in his post game press conference that. He doesn't really have a feel for that type of stuff, and he really didn't give any indication. Not that I expected that he would, but I don't think Dante's going to leave. But that being said, yeah, he's going to be a vocal point of the offense next year, obviously. He was going to be whether we liked it or not, and this performance just gets me so hyped for next year as well because if he's capable of doing this, night in and night out, putting those bad performances behind him and more consistent, he's able to play more consistently like he did in this tournament. And it's, it would actually it would be just as fun.
0: Yeah, he was the guy who in the last deep tournament run in 2016, he was leading the scout squad, simulating, imitating the opposing team's best player. He was buddy-heeled. And as Jalen Brunson put it in the press conference, buddy-heeled Dante was super dangerous. And it was pretty cool to see Buddy Dante come out and show up in the championship game. It's a pretty good look for Villanova. It's great to see the Wildcats capture two out of three. You got to think, though, that was Brunson and Bridges' last game. And if it is, if it truly is, I'm 99.9% sure, especially considering how well they played. That was their last game. How much are you going to miss them?
1: A a lot, obviously. Seeing them you know, win in 2016 and have, you know, play key roles, but you know, not the star roles. And they, they did the little things like Jalen hitting those clutch free throws against Kansas in the Elite Eight. Bridges coming up with some big steals against Kansas in the Elite Eight. You know, some great defense in the Oklahoma and UNC games and just generally in the tournament. And and then to see them develop to National Player of the Year candidates by year three. And I, I honestly, that's a year sooner than I, I ever thought it would be up for them that type of award I mean, I know they were good last year but I didn't think they would take another big step like they did this year I remember saying in the beginning of the year like oh you know I think Bridges' shooting is going to regress and I don't know Jalen's going to do it all by himself and uh, what a clown I was to ever think that to see them develop into superstars into college basketball's best player with Brunson and a lottery pick with Mikhail Bridges and a, almost a national player of the year finalist third team all-american brunson first team all-american it's a testament to this program about how they can just get guys and i know brunson was a high-end recruit but bridges wasn't that highly ranked i think he was in the 80s 90s on the espn 100 and red shirts one year and then the next three years he's an absolute world beater brunson comes in you know kind of the first to arch and then gets the keys to the ferrari as we like to say and absolutely takes off with it i'm gonna miss them. absolutely fun players emotional players And and it's going to it's going to suck next year when you don't have him around. But I I wish him best in the NBA and I really hope they uh, can succeed there as well.
0: Yeah, I'd like to say Brunson, if he's not the GOAT, he's definitely on Villanova's Mount Rushmore of basketball players. He is just fantastic. And to close out his career, three years, two rings. I don't see why he would be back. He's getting his degree early. And it's funny because remember when he first came in, a lot of people thought he'd be like a one and done type of player. And he didn't end up being like that. He ended up being a pretty darn good student and a pretty damn good basketball player. And he's graduating year early with his degree. And that's for Bridges just to see his transformation. Remember when he first came and he was like a twig. He was so skinny, very underweight, got his size up, worked on himself over his redshirt year, came back. We saw him being this defensive menace. And then this year, we weren't sure what was going to happen. I remember yeah, earlier in the year, I think I said that Villanova's was only going to make the Sweet 16, but I don't think you, me, and a lot of people out there expected Bridges to take such a jump as he did offensively, becoming a more well-rounded player, a two-way threat. He's going to be a great asset to whoever picks him up in the NBA, Mr. Lottery. He's going to be great because as we know, that league can totally use some defense. And what better way to do it than Mr. Wingspan, Mr. Condor, Pterodactyl, seven foot three Wingspan, Mikael Bridges.
1: For sure. And I see, I see a lot of Knicks fans in my uh, Twitter timeline. They really want him. They really want Bridges. and I, I can absolutely see that happening. I, I, I don't know why. I just have this sinking feeling he's going to go to the Knicks, which, you know, I, I really hope Bridges is able to go in there and change the culture a little bit. Oh, God, the Knicks. Knicks, but yeah, Bridges wherever he goes, he's going to be a breath of fresh air, especially on the defensive end. I mean, you're probably going to hear a lot of Giannis Antetokounmpo comparisons, mainly just because of the wingspan. Maybe not as much of a point forward as Giannis is, but man, he's going to be a Bridges should be a yeah, great player in the NBA, especially on defense. As long as he tries, he's going to be top ten in the NBA on defense. So look forward to seeing what he can do in the lottery and wherever Jalen ends up in the draft. A lot of people are saying late first, maybe mid first, maybe even early second, you know, wherever he ends up, i going to get a great player, obviously, a very underrated player, kind of like how Josh Hart was. I felt like a lot of people had Josh Hart projected in mock drafts the same way Jalen is right now, kind of fringe first round, maybe early second, but maybe with this tournament, maybe Jalen's able to bump up a bit. And we see Josh Hart's having a pretty damn good rookie year for a, a superstar, uh, for a, a very well-known team in the Lakers. So maybe he can go to a big market and light up the world from there. Or he can go to a small market and light up the world from there. We never know. But wishing the best of luck in the NBA. And they should both be uh, very good players.
0: I know I mentioned Jalen would get his degree, but Bridges should also have his degree by now, too. Four years. Academic, you always forget with the retro year. It always throws you off. One thing Jay said in the postgame celebration, that he was actually hurt. That he got hurt in the first four minutes and played the rest of the game. Wouldn't have known, especially with that 19-point performance. And he played very well. Quietly. I mean, all the hype and the rage was all about Dante DiVincenzo. But Bridges' 19 points helped Villanova get to that point. Now, Jay Wright, we've talked about it before a few times, He, how he's the poster child of Villanova, the Big East. The man doesn't get paid enough. He makes like 2000000 million-something. And you see guys like Chris Mack or Chris Holtman, they just get cash thrown at them. And they move for these other programs. The NBA is probably going to come knocking on his door at the end of the NBA season. I don't know what team, but it always happens every year. And we know that Jay Wright says he loves Villanova. And he was asked, actually, you know, why don't you go? Like, What makes you stay at Villanova? What makes you want to have a legacy there? And he said, I just have the best job in the country. I'm in my hometown. My wife's alma mater. My favorite team growing up. Great AD. Great president. I just love going to work every day. How fortunate is Villanova to have a head coach like this? And not only that, where is he in your conversation of best coaches right now? Is he top tier? I mean, obviously, he's definitely one of the best around, but do you put him in the same conversation as Coach K, Izzo, Roy Williams, Bill Self? Is he definitely? What is he going to start getting some love on the national scale?
1: I certainly hope so, and two national championships, that's more than Izzo, it's more than Behan. it's more than Self, one behind Roy. So, look, he, he has the, the championships, and he has the final fours. I don't understand why people still think he's second tier. Certainly this should definitely put him in the same conversation, and I, in my opinion, I, I think the championships are much more important than the, the final fours. So in that regard, I, I'd say he's better than Izzo and Behan at this point. I mean, obviously they're, they're legendary because they've been around for so long. Jay's been around for a while too, 17 years, 17, 18 years. It's not like he, he's just like some newcomer that came in and inherited a great team. You were speaking about the NBA. I see a lot of people talking about that, if he's going to leave or not. And I feel like we have this discussion pretty much every year. I felt like it was gaining a lot of steam in 2016. And I think the Suns had an opening, and I think a lot of people were like, oh, he's probably going to go there or something like that. And I'm like, I just don't see him. I just don't see him leaving. And again, bringing up the Knicks, I'd see a lot of Knicks fans want Jay Wright as their coach as well. They certainly have the money to offer him, like you said, to probably mimic or even exceed a Chris Mack or Chris Holtman type of contract. But he said in the press conference, I think it was right after he had just said what you uh, just read, that he, he would make a terrible NBA GM. So <laughs> hopefully that's a good sign <laughs> that he won't leave. Even if he does become a coach, he wouldn't really have that much to say in personnel. But I doubt that he wouldn't. Don't think he's leaving.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere, and he's definitely in the conversation with all the greats. I mean, just look at his resume. He's the winningest coach that Villanova's ever had. Two national titles, three Final Fours. I don't think the round of 32, early exit, I don't even think that's anywhere near the narrative anymore, to be honest. And I think it's time that he starts getting more respect on the national scale. Two tournament wins. And not only that, look at the way that Villanova did it this season. They beat every team by double digits. We had blowout wins over Radford and Alabama. Kansas was a beatdown. And then even the ones that didn't look like they were easy, they were still won by double-digit margins. It wasn't the dramatic ending of the Chris Jenkins buzzer beater, but it still felt really sweet to be national champions yet again.
1: I'm glad that Villanova did it this way because I, I saw on ESPN, they actually did a pretty good piece after Villanova won. And they were saying like, you know, Villanova won in 85, underdog, you know, perfect game, all that stuff. In 2016, underdog, most dramatic ending ever, last second shot. We all know the stories. But in 2018, they became the giant. They became the team that the underdog teams of the past would not go off. But – they became the giant and they were able to steamroll the competition start to finish winning every game by double digits. First team since the 09 UNC team, which honestly, if you look at that roster is probably one of the greatest basketball teams ever. So that it just speaks to how good this team was. And man, it, it's great that we, like I said, it's great that we did it this way because I mean, obviously, you know, the dramatics and all make it more fun or whatever, but Hey, I'll take six straight beat downs because it's a lot easier on my heart and a lot easier just as a fan. And to see them just dominate competition start to finish, just absolutely amazing because I would have never expected it in this program after that horrible 2012 season. And just to see this program turn around, win two championships in three years, this is just – man, it's it's just amazing.
0: You know, I even forgot the 2012 season was a thing. And remember when people wanted him fired after that? It's funny how some things work. Patience is a virtue.
1: Going back to your previous question about Jay Wright, like how how fortunate is Villanova to have him? I mean, in Dana O'Neill's book, Long Shots, about the 2016 team, he was so close to going to Rutgers. If uh, there wasn't, I forget what what the holdup was. But, you know, Villanova brought him in and they didn't even let him leave the room without signing contract. And it's just funny how it all works out and and it would have sucked to be with the Rutgers but he's he's absolutely turned this program around and as we see on ESPN today this morning there's a piece about it's time to put Jay Wright in the pantheon of college basketball coaches and
0: you know what's funny you know who else had a Rutgers offer around the same time Jay Wright did John Line
1: hmm. I had no idea and is, is this when he uh, ended up choosing West Virginia yes yeah I, I felt like the whole beeline being jay's nemesis type thing really wasn't played up all that much i don't know maybe it was different on uh, maybe it was different there maybe you got a different feel on, on press row i felt like there wasn't a lot of stories about that the old big east rivalry type thing like it was mentioned but i feel like a lot could have been uh, said about it but they just really didn't go with that narrative
0: yeah i think it was one of those things where there are fierce competitors on the court but off the court they're actually really good friends and they have a ton of respect for each other i wrote about a little bit in my city basketball piece how it it Pretty much started when Jay was still a newcomer, a neophyte. He was a D3 assistant coach, which, as he said, is the lowest position on the ladder for college basketball. And John Beeline was a D2 head coach. And Jay Wright used to spend basically a whole season sometimes recruiting a certain guy. But at D3 level, there are no scholarships. Then, late in the process, April, John Beeline just comes in. It's just like, yeah, I'm gonna drop this scholarship, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry to break it to you, but we're gonna we're gonna take them.
1: Yeah, I was actually listening to the, the, that press conference as well. Yeah, I, I didn't realize they were uh, so intertwined as well. And and Jay also mentioned that Villanova was going after uh, someone on Michigan's roster as well. And I think it was a freshman from uh, Pennsylvania. He didn't want to mention names. So yeah, they, it seems that they uh, like I said, fierce competitors on the court, fierce competitors uh, in recruiting as well, but. Uh, they seem to respect each other and be, uh, and they are pretty good friends. It seems.
0: I actually know who that freshman is. And I. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> it took me a second, but I realized uh, who it was. Mm-hmm. Did you ever
1: see him play in the area when you were recovering for city basketball love
0: back in the day? The second assignment I ever had scouting AAU basketball, Spring Grove, Pennsylvania. I think at the time he just finished his sophomore year. And his name was Eli Brooks. He is a freshman. On, he's a freshman guard. I remember I interviewed him after his game. He he looked pretty good. He, very good, actually. Very good facilitator, point guard, you know, look to pass first and then get buckets after. And at the time, you know, I was telling him, you know, you look pretty good. What schools have offered you? And he was pretty bummed because he only had one offer and it was Mount St. Mary's. And then I asked him, you know, what would you look for in your dream school? And he goes, well, I want to tell you my dream school, and it's Villanova. And then he went on and on about how much he wanted to go to Villanova, but he's probably going to go to Penn because he didn't think he would be good enough. And surely enough, Michigan got on the scene. A bunch of mid to high majors started getting onto the scene. Villanova eventually got on the scene. They offered him. But at that point, he had already built longer relationship with line in Michigan that he opted to go for the Wolverines when I see Michigan and I see that he's there that meeting I had with him when I was talking to him and you know he he lit up when he talked about Villanova and I remember when he got that offer I thought we would have had him in the bag I was pretty surprised, but I'm sure he kind of regrets his decision right now
1: yeah I guess he does but he's going to be a pretty good player for Michigan especially next year I think he's going to have a much bigger role. that offense and just in that team in general he's 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 pretty good that Eli Brooks kid and I remember you telling me that story you telling me about this kid who raves about Villanova and you're like oh yeah uh, Villanova might end up getting him kind of forgot about him it's weird to see that he ended up at Michigan and now they both met in the national championship
0: yeah you know he was it looked like he was gonna go to Penn or some some Ivy or like a smaller school and he was just really bummed about the fact that you know he was like oh you know Villanova's my dream school but I don't think i'm gonna reach it or i don't think i'm gonna make it and it's just funny how some things work out you know he goes to michigan great school it's funny because that's also if i didn't go to villanova i probably would have gone to michigan you know great school great academics great athletics obviously and it's funny how in the title game first year freshman it's his former dream school going up against him for all the marbles chris as we look at this season as a whole what are your thoughts on it what are your feelings? I'm still trying to comprehend it on the fact that it's over. It's like how I felt in the 2016 game. You know, you you feel like there's there's one more game or there should be one more game because at the end of it all, 351 teams, big dance, everything. Only one team gets the happy ending, gets the happily ever after, and this year was Villanova.
1: Yeah, at the end of 2016, we we kind of rode that championship wave and I, I've mentioned it before pretty much throughout 2017 and then when still ended up losing to Wisconsin around 32 we, we kind of forgot how to deal with it we kind of forgot how to deal with a loss and the seasons being over and whatever yeah we knew the season was over in 2016 after we won but it kind of felt like it was still going on because of all the hype around it and the way they won and all that and I think we're going to have that similar feel to 2018 I think we're just going to be riding this wave to next year and I, I really hope that it's able to hold us over for a little bit but yeah as a whole this team exceeded expectations for sure I was an idiot at the beginning of the year and I was saying oh who's going to score for this team you know, no one's going to be able to score outside of Jalen because Bridges is going to regress and you know I don't know what to expect from Phil Booth with that knee injury and Dante's a wild card and we don't know what Spellman and Pascal's really not that much of an offensive threat and then they put out probably the best offense to ever exist in the Kampon era. Or one of the very few of the best. Absolutely amazing to see what this team is able to do offensively, and obviously this team had some defensive struggles, especially early on in Biggie's play, and we got on them for that, and it was it was justified. But to see them come together in the last, I don't know, like month, month and a half, to really put together a defensive effort to match the offensive effort. That you knew once that was happening, this you knew this team was going to be unbeatable. And I, I don't want to sound cocky at all, I probably will, but I don't want to sound that cocky. But in 2016, I was ner- a nervous wreck for every game. Like Iowa scared the crap out of me, Miami scared the crap out of me, Kansas. I thought it was over. I was like, oh, great run, guys, everybody go home. And obviously, they but they obviously ended up winning. But this tournament, I didn't feel all that concerned, I just felt this team was just so good. And, I, and seeing them come together on the defensive end, I was like, they got everything in the bag. You know, they might be trailing at some points, but they'll be fine. I felt that way against West Virginia where they were down six after that big West Virginia run. J. Cole's timeout, they put up probably the best run all year. And the championship, they were down seven early on, and they gradually came back. And before you knew it, they were up 15. And to see them just dominate and insert their will to the umpteenth degree, offensively and defensively, just shows how complete this team was and it's probably obviously one of the best don't know teams ever but it's definitely the best offense might not be as deep as the 15-16 team but this this was just the most high-powered offense and defense i've seen from this program and it was an honor to watch them and an honor to talk about it with you for uh, twice a week for the whole year
0: yeah it's weird i was definitely like you said not as scared this time around in this tournament I remember in 2016, I I felt nervous for every game. But this one, you know, I thought we would beat Alabama. Definitely knew we'd beat Radford. Then with West Virginia, even though they were very good defensively with the press, I thought Villanova would have been fine. Texas Tech, I didn't really believe in, probably because I saw what Seton Hall did to them at the Garden earlier in the year, and I figured seems. as – You know, yeah, you know, they're solid, but like I'm not blown away by them. The Kansas game, I felt a little nervous about, not going to lie. I think I I texted a few people, you included, how I was like, oh, Villanova is a great shooting team, but Azubuki is this. You know, he's a big man, seven feet tall, 280 pounds. They have all these different shooters. But what we saw, Azubuki did nothing, absolutely nothing. Omar Spellman defensively held his own, but offensively, the fact that he was able to stretch the floor and Asbuki couldn't cover was their downfall, and they actually had to bench him for the more athletic Silvio De Sousa. Solid move by Bill Self, but unfortunately, nothing could have stopped all those threes. It's been a great season, 36-4, and four, NCAA tournament champions, second time in three years, made another deep run, Big East tournament winners, Big 12 champions officially after toppling the top three teams in that conference. And it's just been a magical run. If anything, these last five years since conference realignment have been magical. Villanova's not only taken the program to new heights, but also they've been carrying the Big East. And it should be great to see where this this is going. We're probably going to say goodbye to Jalen Brunson, probably going to say goodbye to Mikael Bridges, but the future is going to be bright. I think we still have Phil Booth back. We'll have Eric Pascal back. We'll have Dante DiVincenzo back with the last two guys having big final four games. Incoming next year, we're going to have Javon Quinterly, five-star point guard, Cole Swider, Brandon Slater, two four-star guys. It's looking pretty bright. It's looking like this is going to be able to sustain itself for a while. And this run that Villanova's on is definitely magical. We're blessed to be a part of it. If you're a senior right now, you're extremely blessed to have witnessed this in 2016. Maybe we are spoiled. I'm not complaining. It's been pretty great basketball. Pretty great run. Villanova on top. Kings of college basketball once again. We've been talking blue blood and this and that. If you go on viewhoops.com, you can't get your officially blue-blooded shirt. I'm looking at it right now. It's looking pretty sweet. We also have the attitude shirt, but I think I like the officially blue-blooded one a little bit better.
1: Next year, hey, look great recruiting class coming in, probably the best in in a while. I think a lot of people have been saying just just based on sheer ranking wise. So it's it's not like we're, Villanova's going away. So and you you actually forgot one person who who for, forgot who's coming back actually, and that would be Omari Spellman. So you know you have Booth back, you have Spellman back, you have Pascal back as the starters. And then obviously you got Dante filling in from the six man role, and then hopefully Quinterly slots in at the point guard and does the whole Jelly Fam thing, and you know Villanova ke- keeps up uh, the dominance here in this uh, golden age of Villanova basketball. It is uh, it is certainly a treat to watch.
0: Yeah, how could I have forgotten, Omari? He had a great tournament himself. Also, all the people who didn't get to play in 2016, they were not shy to introduce themselves in this 2018 run. Omari Spellman, he had a great tournament. He probably could have gone on the all-tournament team, but they didn't want to. They didn't want you know Villanova to take all the spots, so unfortunately he had to be left out. And I understand the politics in that, but honestly, I think he could have. He had a very good case to be on there because he was consistent all throughout the tournament. The all-tournament team: Mikael Bridges, Jalen Brunson, Eric Pascal, Michigan's Mo Wagner. And then you add in Dante DiVincenzo, the MVP. Certainly a good thing. Not complaining. Villanova gets all the accolades. It's been a great year. 36 and four overall champions once again. Maybe I'll try to make my way down to the Philadelphia parade. I was bummed because I missed the one on the river walk. They at 1230 on Monday, or I guess Tuesday night, technically 1230 AM. They had a little parade on the water where the champions would ride a boat down the river walk and people could come and attend it. Wanted to make it down there. Fortunately, couldn't. Stuck writing some some articles. But looked like a good time. really love the Riverwalk. Great part about San Antonio. Really love San Antonio. Great city. Underrated. Texas, underrated. Love this place. And it's been a pretty good year. It's been a pretty great season. And we are so thankful for everyone who listened, followed, checked out State of the Nova Nation. We appreciate the support. We saw it in the rankings. We just smashed the rankings every week, week in and week out. And it was great to see State of the Nova Nation expand and grow. We had hits and listens from 62 different countries and in the United States, over 75 different major metro areas. And we couldn't have done it without your support. We really appreciated it. We hope that you all enjoyed it just as much as we enjoyed putting these together for you. It's been a fun season, 40 episodes. We were glad that it ended on a happy note this year. Last year was depressing. I remember when we got off the show, I was so sad. But I'm glad that this time around it ended with some fanfare, some fireworks and another national championship, second in three years. Don't you forget it. Villanova basketball, blue blood.
1: Thank you to everyone who's listened. Just echoing Eugene's remarks, thank you to everyone who listened. We really appreciate it. We appreciate the feedback. We appreciate everyone who contributed to the comments, the mail, weekly mailbag or daily mailbag, whatever you want to call it. Yes, thank you again so much. It was great to, to talk Villanova basketball with you, Eugene. It was a fun season, and I'm glad it ended the way it did because, like you said, last year was just so depressing. To end it on this, you never would have thought at the beginning of the year that we'd be doing a, a national championship podcast. This is great.
0: Shout out to Mike J. He completely called it at the beginning of the year, and I got to finally meet the six foot five mountain of a man. and He is definitely a tall person, but it was good to see him for a little bit in San Antonio. Definitely met my imagination. But Thank you for everyone who supported and listened. We're glad to get see the Nova Nation in many different channels this year with Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Potomatic. Always please check back at viewhoops.com often. We are gonna have so many things. It's not gonna even it's not gonna stop. You know when the national championship, we're not gonna sleep. We're, it's not gonna stop. We're gonna keep checking out some content. And it's gonna be a good time. Hope you all enjoy your celebrations. Please, please, please do not slow down. Enjoy the parade when it happens. And as always, please follow VU Hoops on social media at VU Hoops. And that's good for Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me, Eugene Rapay, at eRupay 5
1: And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at The Stance Man on Twitter.
0: Nova Nation, national champions. Don't you forget it.